Luke chapter 15. I, I want to focus in verse 25. This is the parable of the prodigal son. A parable that Jesus spoke about. The parable is just a, a story to illustrate what the point that Christ was wanting to make. And I, I know that probably the most famous, one of the most famous parables of all time that Jesus spoke about. Um, that God specifically wants to challenge us as as pastors that we're gonna go, we're gonna go deeper. We're gonna be challenged as the body of Christ. And so this is what God wants to speak to us tonight. Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. God, I pray that you would speak a word right now that we need. And may we be open to receive every part of it because we want to go deeper. We want to grow and our relationship with Christ saturate us with the word of God and the wisdom and the love that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. You may be seated. I think the, the challenge sometimes when someone starts off with a text of a scripture and a passage of scripture or a story that we're very familiar with. I know I'm guilty of this, that we immediately assume that the other million messages that we've heard on that disqualifies us from getting something new and fresh. But the reality is, God made a statement by giving us this one little book. 
He could have filled a room this size and much bigger with all of his wisdom and knowledge and all of the stories and everything that he could have. But he made a statement when he gave us this one little book. He was making this statement. He said, this will be enough. It will be enough to be preached a million times from in your lifetime. It will be enough to daily read it in your life and study it. And yet there will always be something fresh and new that God wants to speak into our lives. No matter how many times you read a story or have a message preached about certain scriptures, God is like a blooming onion. There's always another level and there's some really good sauce to deep dip it in. Amen. And how many wants just to go to Outback after this? Amen? Amen. Um, that's scriptural right there. Amen? Outback, a blooming onion. Um, so I want to challenge you right now that let's, let's go. But, but first of all, I, I want to I challenge you with something because maybe someone's here and this is what you're counting on. Because I'm going to really focus tonight on the other son. Uh, the, the parable is the prodigal son. Uh, but I want to focus on the element that God included. Because this is Jesus telling the story. And he didn't just talk about the prodigal son. He talked about the prodigal son's brother as well. But there was also something very key about that, and that's the prodigal's father. That was these two boys' father. The father represents God. And the prodigal son is the one that has went out and rebelled and lived away from God. He literally walked in said, I don't want to live under this house. I don't want to be here with you, mom and dad. I don't, want to, I don't want to do the things you want me to do. I don't want to live the way you want me to live. So give me my inheritance, and I'm going out there. Can I tell you, if that is your strategy, that one day I will be that prodigal son or daughter, and I will come back to God. Let me tell you, there is a big risk with that being your strategy about one day getting right with God. Because you have, ne you never know when your last chance to do that may be. I I'll never forget a kid walked up to me from Columbine High School, there in Colorado. It was a few years before the shooting, and he walked up to me and he told me this story. His name was Thad, and he was the captain of the track team. And it was Friday afternoon, just like today, and it was 3.30 in the afternoon. He was sitting in the cafeteria doing some homework, but he had lost track of time. I didn't even realize he was using track in there, track of time, going to track practice. Okay, I'm going to give up my comedian. It struck him when the bell rang at 3.30. Oh, no, I am in big trouble because track practice starts right now. We have a major track meet tomorrow. I'm the captain of the track team, and he got so involved in doing his homework sitting there in the cafeteria that he didn't realize the time. And so right at this time that the bell's going off and Thad is freaking out because he's going to be late for track practice, he starts putting all of his books in his backpack, and he's going to rush out. And about that time, Nate, his best friend, the quarterback of the high school football team, came up to him and said, Hey, Dad, 
tonight after the football game, we're going to go outside of town. We're going to party, and, and we want you to come. Well, Nate wasn't a Christian, but Thad was, and he had an early track meet the next morning. He had to leave at 5.30 from the high school, and so he says, I'm not going out partying after the game tonight. And at this precise moment that was all unplanned, crazy thinking about I'm late, I got to go, God gets involved at this moment, and he says something very simple to Thad. Thad, tell your friend Nate that God loves him. You, you, you know what Thad's response to that was. It's what we all do. The moment God asks us to do something, we immediately begin to tell him all the reasons we cannot. Isn't it amazing that the created becomes smarter than the creator? God, I mean, you're supposed to know all things, but yet if you don't notice, it's past 3.30. I'm late. I'm going to be in big trouble. And we're not even talking about you, God. I'm just supposed to randomly say to Nate, my best friend, as I'm running off to track practice, hey, by the way, God loves you. What is up with that, God? Then he begins to bargain with God. God, I can't do that. I'm just supposed to say, hey, God loves you and run off to track practice. No, I got a better idea. In fact, it just hit me. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, we're having a special youth service at our church. There's going to be a speaker. The youth pastor will be there. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Don't you, aren't you glad, God, you have me? I mean, I got your back, God. So God just says, no, I said just tell him God loves him. Dad does his own thing, turns to Nate, says, hey, I got to go. I'm late. But tomorrow night at our church, we're having a special youth event. We're going to have a speaker. I want you to go. I'll call you tomorrow when I get back from the track meet, and we'll hook up. He ran off, got up next morning early, 530, track meet. Came back late afternoon pull up to the front curve of Columbine High School, got out of the school van, and Nate's girlfriend is standing there on the corner, the curb. She walks up to Thad. Thad, did you hear about what happened last night? No, I, I've been at a track meet. Well, last night after the game, Nate and six others from the high school went outside of town drinking and partying. About 2.30 in the morning after getting completely drunk, they decided that what they needed to do for fun is to all get in one car and play chicken with a train and pull into a train track and see how close they could let the train get to them. Dad, last night, Nate and all six others were killed.
And the reason I share that story is because that's exactly the strategy of so many people. They say, I will always have a chance to get right with God. But listen to me very clearly. It was very emphatic and it was very powerful of a message that was preached that night. And that was simply God knew that Saturday night was too late. See, Thad, he thought he had it all planned out. God knew that the only thing that he could do at that moment that God could have worked with is he could work with Friday afternoon. But he knew unless somebody did something on Friday afternoon that Saturday night wouldn't work. So I want to tell you this. It may not be a perfect plan, and it may not be perfect timing. You may not have everything worked out, but let me tell you, it is a bad strategy to mess around with your eternity. May I challenge you tonight before you leave this room that you make it right with God, that you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, that you do not take a chance because really Saturday night might not work. See, the prodigal... The prodigal son that was rebelling and out there living out the world the way that, that the world tells us is all the fun. And this is what you need to do to have a full life. Uh, go out and experience all these things. Well, the reality is, is th this, this young man came to find out very quickly what the world is offering is a dead-end street. And you will eventually end up in a pig pen and you will be covered in slop and mud, and you will smell, and you will be unrecognizable. You will be the guy when you walk down the street that moms are holding their children and turning away because they're afraid of you. You see, but this is the element that all of us need to understand that the whole parable, the whole story is based upon one thing, and that is the love and the response of the prodigal son's father. And that father is God. And what does it say? So many times people's image of God is he is a mean and judgmental and condemning God, and he's ready to strike you down. But this story is spoken by Jesus Christ himself, and he understands God like no one else. And so... This is how he illustrates. He says all that father did every day, he could have been sitting up like so many people think God's sitting up in a big old throne room and he's dressed in white and he's sitting in this throne in the clouds and he's got a big stick and he's just like, you know, bow before me. I, you know, you are horrible. You're doing bad things. And the reality is, is that is not the image that Jesus paints of God. He says this father was a father that every day would walk out of his house and look down the road and just began to pray and I believe weep and cry. Maybe today is the day that my son comes home to Jesus Christ. Maybe the day is the day that my son comes home. And the moment that he saw his son a far way off, the Bible says, understand that that guy, that young man that left that house, no matter how many years or days or months earlier, he was unrecognizable to everyone else except for the father. Because that father, he saw through the fact that that person shuffling down the street 
rags for clothes covered in a stench and nasty and hair not cleaned and teeth not brushed uh, uh, hadn't seen a shower or a bath uh, it, it was unrecognizable of this person shuffling down and what does it say the, the father didn't wait till the son came all the way down to the house and said you know bow down before me don't you approach me I've got my new white Hugo Boss uh, suit that's been custom made. Don't you dare hug me. You smell like a pig. You look like a pig. You 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 are scary. You, man, son, you are a disappointment. Hey, how'd that work out for you? How'd you enjoy that? Taking the money that you would one day get as an inheritance and going out and spending that on prostitutes and drugs and partying and all the things of the world. How's that working out for you? Uh-huh doesn't say that the father did that, did it? He said the moment he saw his son, that son was coming broken, contrite, repentant. And that father ran the rest of the way. And he embraced him. Let me tell you something. We have got to become a church that doesn't wait for people to walk in those doors. That we go out there and get them. That's why... That's why the vision and the leadership of this church is having such an impact is because we don't wait till they walk in here. We have an Easter outreach that reaches hundreds of people in this community. That's why we have a fall festival right out here in the parking lot. We're not going to wait till you come through the doors. We're going to go get you. That's why there's outreaches. That's why there's ministry that takes place because it's so important that we understand that the people that need God the most many times do not feel like they can walk through those doors. But the reality is, is we got to be who God is. And who God is, it says, go hug them before they get cleaned up. Go embrace them. You know what so many times we've done it as a church? We said, well, bless God, before we embrace you and say you're my son, then you're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to come in here. You're going to have to be cleaned up. <laughs> you can't wear that. You can't look like that. You can't say that. You can't smell like that. You, you can't go on Saturday night to that place and expect to come in here and be a part, bless God. Uh-uh. No, no, no. You know what? God shows the illustration of who we are to be as the body of Christ, and that is loving and caring. It says God is quick to love, quick to forgive, and quick to embrace. And so we have got to be that kind of heart that as we reach out with the love of God, that we illustrate what God was illustrating in this story. Listen, this is what's so incredible. God has a natural environment and element to make sure that someone that gets saved is challenged to realize, I don't want to live like I've been living. I don't want to do what I've been doing because... Guess what happened? The father didn't wait for a time for the son to go through rehab. He didn't wait till he could give him a urine test and say, you got some drugs still in your system. He didn't wait until 
all the filth and the stuff of the world is gone. No. He immediately gets out the family ring. Like they're standing there covered in pig guts and, and slop and nasty from, the, from where he's been living. And the father's like, so proud my son's come home. I mean, this guy that's standing in front of him is scary and unrecognizable. And yet the father said, let's get out the family ring. Because I want everybody to know this is my son. And I'm, this is the happiest day of my life. He may not look like what everybody else sees. But I don't see the outside. I see a heart. And the heart is what brought him back here. The heart says, I need my father. I need to be in my father's house. You see, it's the heart that God says we are to put a value on. Because let me tell you, this is what happens when you get in and you are the honored guest of the party, then everybody that's shown up for that party that night, they have went out and they've got their, their, their suit dry clean, they've got their new dress, they've got new shoes, they got their makeup done, they got their hair done, they, they, they even brushed their teeth twice before they came. Man, they use extra deodorant and cologne and perfume, and when you walk in and you are the honored guest for that party, you all of a sudden sit around the table and recognize and realize something that naturally happens in the father's house is all of a sudden you're sitting there as the honored guest and you say, oh, I, I don't, don't want to walk around and pick slime anymore. I, I, I don't want to walk around with the clothes that I'm wearing. I, I don't want to be who I was. I don't want, no. I realized, I recognized, I'm looking around the Father's table, and, and I don't want to be like this anymore. Not one person had to walk up and say, you need to get your act together. You don't need to come back here until you get this thing figured out. You don't need to be telling people you come to our church unless you have went through this and you've proven this and you've, you've showed us for two months and you've did this and you did that. No, there is a natural element of the Holy Spirit that will provide the accountability and the challenge in our hearts. And God is saying to us as the body of Christ, let's be that church that represents that Father, that God that is quick to love and quick to forgive. But the element of what God God is wanting to speak to us is really comes down to the body of Christ. And that is the other brother. See, we focus on the tragedy of the prodigal son that went out and used all of his inheritance, wasted it, end up coming back. But many times we miss out the importance of the brother that had stayed in the father's house. Listen to this. When you read that scripture, the father had to leave the house for both sons. And he was willing to. I immediately began when God just began to lay a burden on my heart. Can you imagine that? Now this, please, don't shoot the messenger. This is, this, God's speaking this to me. Let's just, let's, let's just have a heart right now that's saying, God, I, I, I don't want to be either one of those brothers. 
I want to be a third brother. I want to be a third sister that, that gets it, that understands the love of God, that I want to be in the Father's house, that I'm not jealous. I'm not territorial. I'm not sad that when my brother comes home to Jesus Christ and has never lived for God, that we celebrate that person, even though I've been here for 40 years doing everything right. You know what? This is what God, listen to me, this is what God's saying because God's got something special. This ain't, this ain't condemnation. This ain't judgmental. This is God saying, do you, do you know what you're missing out? And you of all people should understand what I have got to, to offer. And yet one of the greatest things that stood out to me is they are having this most incredible party celebrating this brother coming home that they didn't even know it was alive or dead and yet the brother that was in the father's house was so involved with his responsibility that he missed the whole heart of the father's house think about that it is so easy I have seen it time and time again it says that the brother was out in the field and he heard music and dancing and he says, what's going on? Let's never become a church. Let's never become the people of God. When I say church, please understand, I'm not referring to Wrightsville Assembly of God or any other church. I'm saying as the body of Christ, we are the church. We are we are represent the Father's house. When I when I when I mention that, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, may we never get so absorbed with our responsibility and the areas that we are plugged into the Father's house that we miss out on all what God is wanting to do, and that is reaching the lost and celebrating them coming to Jesus. But it's even more than that. Oh, church, this is what I've seen so many times, and it is so easy to do. I, in my situation, find myself so many times, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm getting on another airplane, I, I don't feel good, my back's hurting, I'm in another bed, I'm going here, and I'm changing time zones, and I'm uh, all these things, and sometimes I allow it to be about me, and God's just like, who are you, you know, what are you thinking, you think they should be blessed because you showed up, well, big whoop that you got on a plane, Big whoop that your back is hurting. Last time I checked, my son hung up on a cross and he had been beaten to smithereens, unrecognizable in the most horrific pain that anybody could ever go through. And he went the distance on the cross. So, so many times, this is what happens. We hide behind our positions and our responsibilities. And in the reality, we miss out on the buffet that God has. There are people that are tired and weary, and you have been the ones that have been faithful. And you can say, I'm the one, like this brother said, I've been here all these years. And never once did you even give me a young goat, Father. And the dad was like, what planet are you living on? What house have you been living in? Seriously. Last night, we had the privilege and honor to uh, keep Chris and Brittany's two little kids, Eden and Gray, and 
Gray is uh, two years old, and I love it. He comes to auntie and uncle's house, and what is he comfortable enough to do? Right to the refrigerator and open the door. <laughs> you, he couldn't have done anything more than to make Heather and I feel awesome. Because he knows this is family's house. And when you're in the family's house, last week, the event I did last week uh, it was in Oklahoma. And so literally, the, the church I was speaking was only like 30 minutes away from where my mom and dad lived. So I got to go home, and Heather and I got to spend the weekend with my mom and dad. And, and this, is, this is great. This is a part of being family. You know what? I'm 48 years old. I've been out of the house since I was 19 19, January of 1989 was the last time I lived in my mom and dad's house. And yet, the few days before we flew down to Oklahoma, my mom is texting me, emailing me, and calling me. Son, what do you want me to fix for you? Son, what do you want for every breakfast? What do you want for breakfast on Saturday? What do you want for breakfast on Sunday? What do you want for breakfast on Monday? And my wife's going, sleep? I do not get, need to get up at 7 o'clock. No, you will be at breakfast. <laughs> I got up and made pancakes, so you will eat them. And you will be happy. But it so impacted my life in such a way, I'm like, ah, I could be 70 years old and coming home to my mom and dad's house, and it's home. You know what, my mom and dad would be offended? So we came in there and said, uh, Mom and Dad, can I have some tea? Can I have a sandwich? You know what, so many times? We get so bogged down with our responsibilities and locked into what we're doing and we're serving God and we're in the Father's house and we're happy to do that. But we miss out on the fact that God said when you walked in, there was an all-you-can-eat sign you paid this amount, and oh yeah, I want to tell you, when you walked into this restaurant, somebody already took care of the bill, and he took care of the tip, and so he took care of everything. And so what I want you to know is, when you're a part of the family of God, and you're a son and a daughter of God, that when you walk in the door, I know there's a salad bar when the first thing you come, but you don't have to just stop at the salad bar. There, there's also some 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 prime rib over here, and some and, and you've got some fried chicken over here, and you got mashed potatoes, and then don't you dare forget about the dessert buffet. Nuh-uh. It is all inclusive. What on earth are you thinking walking out of a day-to-day -day relationship with Jesus Christ without having any joy, without having been moved and broken and just breaking open the bread of life every day and saying, God, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm tired. I'm, I'm locked in. But today I need the whole buffet. God, I need you to radically just move inside of me. I need a joy that the moment I walk into service, I already got a goofy grin all over my face. Tears started coming down my face when I got out of the car in the parking lot. I didn't have to have somebody tell me, oh, yes, you can have that. Yes, you can be seated here. No, I know I'm coming back to the Father's house. And the Father is saying, son, son, you missed. You couldn't have 
you couldn't have offended me any more, son, than my son that ran away from years and lived in the world in sin. You couldn't have offended me anymore. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you're going through and I don't know what you're facing, but God wants to celebrate you tonight. See, what the father was trying to say is all these years, your brother missed out. He didn't have this opportunity. But every day that you've lived in the father's house, there was a goat, there was a calf, there was a chicken. It was a guinea pig or hamster or whatever you're into eating. And if you think that's funny, just travel around the world with me and trust me. Anything that is alive is open territory, whether you're in Mongolia and they like to eat horse meat, whether you're in Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso, they like to eat dog. I personally can't stand horse or dog or rodents, but I'm really heavy on the calf steak. And I feel like that God is wanting to give a spirit of encouragement to some people that walked in here tonight, and you are the cream of the crop. You are the faithful. You are the one that says, God... I have done everything that you wanted, and yet right now I feel like my world is being jerked out from underneath my feet. Things are unstable. I don't know where to turn. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm stressed about this. I'm worried about this. And yet I saw what happened when somebody came to the church and they were needy, and the church responded and got behind them. But what about me when I am dying on the inside and I I am depressed and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and we become it's so easy for a foothold and a door to be open to the enemy because literally what was being displayed in the brother's life was jealousy, selfishness self-centeredness he had allowed a spirit of bitterness to begin to come in and church tonight what God is wanting you to know is it's all-inclusive when you are a part of the family of God. My mom and dad, if they're able to, my dad's 84. He's, he's, he's really losing uh, day by day more of his memories. He, he's falling. He's shuffling. He's really going down. So uh, they have not been able to travel up here since uh, we moved here and uh, so in a couple of weeks, in fact, I think on Mother's Day, if everything works out, uh, my mom and dad will be here with us uh, on that Sunday. But um, 
uh, I was just, they don't fly much. Uh, the only time they've ever flown is because <laughs> I have frequent flyer miles and I've flown them a few places. And, and so we're flying them up here. And uh, I was reminding them and telling them, hey, you know, they don't really serve many meals now on planes. So make sure you pack some snacks and stuff. But they will come by with a drink cart and they will give you a complimentary drink. And like, I think my mom or my dad just this past weekend said, oh, really? I thought they charged for that. And they, I don't know, they may on some airlines, but not on United. It's still free. And it just, it just kind of hit me. That's what so many people I think are missing. God's provided some for some incredible things. This shouldn't be a drudgery. It shouldn't be that I've got to, like, beat myself up against the head, get up and go to church. It shouldn't be where, oh, I need to read my Bible today. It shouldn't be where that you would rather do anything else in the world than go into your war room, spend some time in prayer with God. Just on that first one, and I just feel like some of us walked in here tonight. We're carrying a heaviness and a burden and a brokenness. And God's saying, I got a buffet tonight like you have never seen. It's, it's going to be home-cooked meals by mom that is specifically made for everyone in this room. I'm telling you, God's got an incredible thing for us tonight. If you will only step up, it's been paid for, it's been taken care of, and he's got exactly what you like. I mean, down to the last ingredient of what you need and I know God is here to do something special come on everybody stand with me if you would please God I pray right now and I ask you and I thank you Lord that what a what a what an incredible just a title of exactly what I feel like what you're wanting to do this weekend and just saturate us with your blessings with your strength with your energy God, this message is for my wife and I right now as, as much as anybody in this room. God, I'll be the first one in this altar tonight because I, I need the fullness of the Father's house. I need the fullness of a relationship with my God and my Savior that has the ability to turn back the clock, that has the ability to remove disease and pain, that has the ability to provide, even if it's water out of a rock, he will part the waters, he will, he will literally stop the sun in its sky, if that's what it takes. But he has something, and he wants to pour it out upon us. He wants his children that are in the Father's house in a relationship with God to experience the fullness of God just to have your batteries recharged tonight just to weep in His presence just to have God fill you with an overflowing joy just a refreshing waterfall of the Holy Spirit as He just washes over you and begins to wash away the hurt and the pain and, and the things that you're dealing with and God tonight needs us to not be someone that gets so locked out in the field of our ministry and our calling and our positions and our areas that we are involved in the church that we miss out 
on the celebration that God wants to celebrate in our lives. God, we need you tonight. The bill's paid for. We have access to the whole buffet. No matter what we need tonight. God, there are some of us in this room that have been in a Pentecostal church maybe our entire lives, maybe for years, but we have never experienced the buffet of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, I pray that you would fill people with the Holy Spirit tonight. I pray that people that you want to call into the ministry would be called into the ministry tonight. I pray for people that are battling something, a condition in their life, and you think you got to live with it because you've always had to live with it. But tonight, God has healing for someone specifically that you have carried something for years, a pain, a condition. I don't know. Maybe it's diabetes. Maybe it's migraine headaches. Maybe maybe it's, it's something that nobody else knows about but God has your healing for you all he needs you to do is understand it's on the buffet and it's yours and he wants you just to walk up to the refrigerator and open it like you know that this is your house and start eating start drinking 